On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses the Rothko Chapel. Hi, and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this bonus episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we talk about my visit to the Rothko Chapel. All right, gentlemen, welcome to the Palaver this evening, where we get to talk about the actual 14 black paintings. Yes. This mm-hmm. is actually like a bonus episode, this really. Is, this is truly a bonus episode. So, you know, let's let's hit rewind on the tape a little bit and go back to however long ago it was when we were recording our episode on Peter Gabriel's Us. And it, it was funny because... You know, the the song 14 Black Paintings, to be quite honest, had been summarily ignored by me for decades. And mm-hmm. I hadn't really given it much thought, literally right up until the time we I was preparing for that particular episode. And I, I finally pulled up the lyrics, and it, it struck me how powerful they were. But I, I honestly didn't really know much else about it. And in, in that episode... Ken, you know, dropped the little uh, information nugget that the 14 black paintings were, in fact, in the Rothko Chapel in Houston. And I had literally just, you know, maybe a week or so before, agreed um, on plans to go to Galveston. And so immediately I hatched a plan that I needed a little, you know, progressive palaver side trip to the Rothko Chapel, which I had no idea was in Houston, Texas. And uh, so, you know, it it worked out perfectly. I was able to to arrange the trip such that I, I got to go. We got to visit the, the Rothko Chapel with COVID situation is um, you need tickets to enter, but it is, it's free and it's a timed sort of entry. So you get somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes in the chapel itself, which is really probably all you need. It's a very interesting experience, no doubt about it. Uh, But I have, in fact, with my own two eyes, seen and experienced the 14 black paintings. Did you take pictures of them, Joe, to share with us, or are are you just going to describe them to us? Well, and, and that's an interesting interesting question, Paul, because in trying to do research for that, I thought, hey, let's let's see what these paintings look like. You're not going to find pictures of the 14 black paintings on the interwebs. And when you're in the chapel itself, there are very stern proctors who will remind you repeatedly that you are not to be taking pictures interesting. inside the chapel. Unfortunately, I, I hadn't really thought about, you know, I, I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. If you look at the Wikipedia for the chapel itself, and, and maybe that's a good place to start. 
So the Wikipedia tells us that the Rothko Chapel is a non-denominational chapel in Houston, Texas, founded by John and Dominique DeMerrill. The interior serves not only as a chapel, but also as a major work of modern art. On its walls are 14 black but color-hued paintings by Mark Rothko. The shape of the building... Um, the shape of the building, an octagon inscribed in a Greek cross, <coughs> and the design of the chapel was largely influenced by the artist. The chapel sits two miles southwest of downtown in the Montrose neighborhood, situated between the building housing the Merrow Collection and the Chapel of St. Basil on the campus of the University of St. Thomas. About 55,000 people visit the chapel each year. Susan J. Barnes states, the Rothko Chapel became the world's first broadly ecumenical center, a holy place open to all religions and belonging to none. It became a center for international cultural, religious, and philosophical exchanges, for colloquia and performances, and it became a place of private prayer for individuals of all faiths. On September 16, 2000, the Rothko Chapel was placed on the National Register of Historic Places. If you, if you go to the wikis or if you go anywhere on the interwebs and look at the chapel itself it, it's it's an odd building there are no windows mm -hmm. and and so there's really no and, and since there are no pictures of the inside there was no way to prepare myself for mm -hmm. for what I was going to see inside and you know knowing that these 14 black paintings inspired you know, that knowing that Peter Gabriel went there and experienced these paintings and inspired him to write this song, I, I, I was literally, you know, tingling with anticipation as to what kind of experience I was going to have. And I was so caught up in everything, I, it never occurred to me to bring my Palaver notebook with me. And, mm. and the reason I, I say all this, because you, you, get into the into the chapel and as i sort of settled in and started to to experience whatever i was experiencing i knew that my sieve of a of a memory was not going to hold on to things and i'm like <laughs> crap what you know how, how do i remember whatever it is i need to remember and so i i walked over to one of the proctors and i i very politely and, and quietly asked because it's a very quiet serene space if it was okay if I took out my phone to take some notes and she just nodded at me she didn't even reply with a word it's like ooh okay so I did she nod in the affirmative she did or? nod in the affirmative okay. so I, I spent the last you know <clears throat> probably five to seven minutes of my time in the chapel um, feverishly, you know, typing out on my notes app on my phone, just so I would have something to uh, to sort of jog my my faulty memory. Wow. So there's there's two things about this that so you know you think about like you said, Joe, like the fact that Peter Gabriel came here and was so moved, uh, you know, and inspired that you know he he wrote a song. Something similar happened to me when we were all in Nashville, where I was moved and inspired to begin writing a song in the bathroom of the motel six we were we were staying in <laughs> well i mean that's true but i'm kidding i don't by any means want to make a comparison but i love i love this idea it reminds me of when i was getting into the the music of yes 
because I didn't have all I had was a single cassette tape of 90125. It's all I knew about it. And but but Vic Vitali had all of the vinyl. And it all <laughs> belonged in his basement in his house. And that was the only place you could go to listen to it. I couldn't hear it any other place unless they played like all good people on the radio or something like that. So it was like you had to go to Vic's house to experience yes. And it's it's very similar to this. No one can actually experience this unless they travel to Texas and and to, and embark upon this journey that you just did. That's true. And and so it it was, you know, it was very interesting. So so maybe I can you know, walk you through, you know, how it all went down. And, and there, there were some things that sort of happened outside before we got inside. So we arrived and it, it's in, it's actually in a, a, it's a lovely neighborhood. There are, there, there's sort of a park right next door with some, some very fascinating art installations um, in it. So for instance, I saw um, the, the aforementioned uh, Menel collection, I saw a a fascinating steel piece uh, called Bygones, which was installed in 1976 by Mark de Severo, and um, it, it's a huge, massive, sprawling thing. But it's it, you know tree-lined streets, and you know there, it's just the whole area has this sort of weird hybrid residential, you know, museum, scholastic sort of quality to it. It's, it's very unique, but, um, and, and sort of tucked in the middle of, of this tree lined street is the Rothko chapel, which by itself is quite unassuming across the street is the welcome center. So you walk across the street, you get your little ticket and then you walk back, um, you know, across the street to where the chapel is. So the chapel, if you will, sort of backs up to the street, and the the entrance is on the inside of the property but when you go and walk around the chapel which again it's just it's a brick building with no windows you you are greeted by a reflective pool with a sculpture called the, the broken obelisk and i will read you the uh the the little placard that is um attached or outside or next to the broken obelisk. And I'll read it because it's, it's, it's important. And you can see pictures of this. It's, it's quite a stunning uh, piece of statuary. The story of the broken obelisk by Barnett Newman and how it came to be at the Rothko Chapel was a controversial one, caught up in the midst of the turmoils of the late 1960s. The city of Houston had received a grant to help purchase a work of contemporary sculpture for Houston. In 1969, the Demonels. Um, offered to match the grant and chose the broken obelisk, specifying that it be placed near City Hall and dedicated to the recently slain civil rights leader, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The city accepted the choice of the sculpture by Newman for Houston, as well as sitting it in front of City Hall, but rejected the dedication. The Demonels, or Menels, um, withdrew their offer and purchased the sculpture outright, sitting it instead in front of the Rothko Chapel and, per Newman's wishes, over a reflecting pool. The broken obelisk represents the Rothko Chapel's commitment to human rights and social justice and honors a great man whose life and ministry embodies the values of this sacred institution. 
So the the reason why I wanted to read that really went down to that that last sentence. The broken obelisk represents the Rothko Chapel's commitment to human rights and social justice. You know, this core um, commitment and mission of the chapel clearly resonates with with what Peter's all about. And so I just, I thought, well, that's that's really powerful. And if you look at, so imagine in the middle of a reflecting pool, you have a pyramid, and at the apex of the pyramid is an inverted obelisk. So the obelisk, you know, the pyramid goes up to a point, the obelisk comes out from that point and then goes up and is broken before it ever reaches the base of the obelisk, which is inverted relative to the pyramid. It's it's really quite striking. I mean, it's not only art, but it's also a bit of an illusion yeah. or a how did they do this type of a moment. And and I can I can send you um, pictures that we can you know I don't know what we do with them if we can stick them on our notes or we can put them on Instagram or whatever, but it, it is it's it's very very cool. So you're you're you know again I'm kind of building up the anticipation because I don't know what it is I'm going to see, and so it's time to go in you know and and honestly it was timed so I had you know I. I literally had no choice but to sort of take in the broken obelisk for a little bit, which was nice. And it was, it was actually quite a beautiful day down in Houston. Oh, Hey, look, it just, I just saw there is one picture on the Wikipedia page where you can see four of the black paintings. Interesting. I hadn't noticed that before. Um, so, so that's going to, you know, help, everyone sort of understand a little bit about what I'm seeing. And of course it will, you know, negate everything I said prior, but anyway, walked in and you walk into sort of a vestibule, if you will, imagine a very, a relatively small rectangular room and you walked into a door in the middle and there are two doors into the chapel at, on the, the far wall on either side of this. But what's really fascinating is there is a bench in front of you, and it may be it may very well be two benches, and on those benches are the the major um, religious texts of of the uh, the major religions of the uh, of the earth, so to speak. And so um, there were twelve of those books. So you've got. You know the Bible, uh, the Book of Mormon, the uh, the Tao Te Ching. Um, you know, uh, you know all all of the all of the major books are there, and it, and it was like, well, that's kind of nice, and they're all laid out, you know, perfectly next to each other. It's really, really kind of cool. And then you walk into the chapel itself, and it's in a regular octagon. So basically, you have four long sides connected by. Um, for short sides, sort of at the corners, if you will. And, and as the wikis describe, you know, if, if, you, if you think about walking in and the first wall being the one that you're walking through, it holds one large painting. The, and if you sort of go around the room from there, the angular piece holds one. There are three on, on the, uh, the long side, one on the mm. angle, three on the large front, 
one on the angle, three on the long side, and then one on the angle. And that gives you your 14. And, you know, again, if you look at the wikis now, you can, you can kind of see what these paintings are all about. They, they truly are black paintings. There's, there's no picture per se. It's all about, um, subtle color and texture. And, you know, just very broadly describing them, um, the one that's on the, the wall that you enter through is mainly black. It has a, a, a sort of a brownish border with a large swath of, of more brown at the bottom. It's not pure brown. It's, it's all, it's all black with, with varying hues. Then the, then there's one with that has black with sort of purple hues and a horizontal sort of arrangement. There are the th the first wall with three. They're they're black paintings with black borders, probably a couple inches thick. I mean, these paintings are huge. They're really really big. Mm -hmm. They dominate the room. the The center it's it's interesting on the side walls. The center picture is offset. I believe it's it's offset a little bit higher than the other two, so they're not you know flat across each other. Then virtually every every painting on the the short angled walls are, again are the black with the purple horizontal hues, and then the the three on sort of the far wall, the the back wall, if you will, are the largest of them all. They are aligned floor to ceiling, um, mm -hmm. absolutely massive. And the middle one has purple hues, and the outside ones are completely black with no borders. And then it sort of repeats as you go around. Now, what's really fascinating, and if you read the if you read the wikis about this, there's there's some discussion about the architecture of this and the lighting, and there's a there's a skylight. And I guess originally when it was built, um, there was a, a sort of a, a baffled skylight. And that was replaced in fairly recent memory with a, with a, a louvered um, skylight. And, and the reason this becomes important is this is the source of light in the chapel. Mm -hmm. And in the, it, it happened to be a cloudy slash rainy day when when we were there. It was not raining at the time we were there, but it had rained earlier in the day and there was significant cloud cover. And the reason I bring this up is, and again, I am, I know Jack squat about art. Um, I remember when we went to the Marillion weekend in Holland in 2007, and we went to the Van Gogh museum and, you know, it was stunning to me how, just lost I was in all of that. But you're sitting here in this chapel and the impact, the presentation of these paintings starts to change dramatically based on the quality of light coming in. Mm -hmm. And and so it, it was fascinating because the first few minutes we were there, it was just, you know, outside it was steady gray, very low light. It's very quiet and you're kind of trying to sort of take these in and and understand if there's more texture or or what's exactly going on it's very difficult to see 
And then every so often, as happens on a cloudy day, the clouds would thin out and the light in the room would would intensify noticeably. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you could start to see a lot of this, this subtle coloration in these paintings that wasn't wasn't noticeable or observable before and then inevitably the clouds would thicken up again the light would drop back down and you would kind of lose it now again i don't know anything about art but i was i was desperately looking at these pictures Mm-hmm. These paintings, trying to figure out what sort of techniques he used, and and quite frankly, it was beyond me to to figure it out. But it it's an it's a fascinating space. So again, you have the irregular octagon, which is capped off by an octagonal skylight with the sort of louvers in it, and then the if you read the wikis, it talks about eight benches presumably for the eight sides. When I was there, two of the benches were in the vestibule holding the holy books. There were six benches arranged in a hexagon in the middle of this. So there's all sorts of weird sort of geometry going on. And it is, it's very, very quiet. And there are, again, at least three proctors in the room keeping an eye on you at all times, making sure you're not doing anything that you're supposed to. So so I was just, I was sitting there kind of taking this all in and, you know, just trying to experience this. And, you know, I have to tell you, if, if there wasn't a sign outside telling me about the Rothko's Chapel's commitment to social justice, I don't know that I would have picked up on it. And so I think you have to know what it is when you're going there in order to get the resonant energy that I was certainly looking for. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it, it was a fascinating, you know, little journey. And I'm, you know, I'm really, really glad I took it. It was interesting because, again, you, you have a, a, a timed window. And so essentially, you know, people in your group, if you will, all show up pretty close to each other. And there was there was one couple that came in relatively late, um, probably 20 minutes into our, our, you know, 35, 40 minute time in the chapel. And I would love to know how this couple got there because they just, they stuck out. And I can't even remember, honestly, what, what the guy looked like because the woman was just so striking. She was dressed in heels, skin-tight pants, some sort of very tight shirt with an exposed midriff. But she was not a young woman, and she was wearing a shit ton of perfume. And so you're you're sitting in this 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 space and it's it's very quiet and people are looking around and they're having their own experiences and all of a sudden someone comes clickety clacking into the room and this overwhelming aroma of perfume just starts to blanket the space and you're like oh okay this is different and you know you you try not to stare at them but they came in they sat down and they left after about five minutes so I, I don't know 
how they found the place, what they thought they were going to get, but I it clearly didn't seem to meet their <laughs> expectations. Wow. That's how you know you're in a chapel. You need that perfume just to give you that extra dose of clarity or lack of clarity. Yeah. So <sighs> so so in a nutshell, that was that was my experience at the Rothko Chapel. It was it's it, very cool. It looks like it's about the size of an indoor tennis court. Do I have the intimacy right? Is it is it about that size? It's probably not. Yeah, that's probably, you know, on the order of, of what you're looking at. It may be, it's probably not as long on an axis as a tennis court, but I think area is probably pretty similar. Mm -hmm. And I, I found some photos here with... Um, one, a woman had a guitar. It seemed to be an organized concert. So maybe they have events or, or some such in this space. And in another one, it looks like a meditation. Oh, so you, you, there are pictures of the interior then? Yeah, there are pictures of the interior, but it, it, it I'll is... I'll edit all that shit out then. <laughs> it, it's near impossible to make sense of the paintings themselves. Yeah. I'm curious, Joe, because I saw the, the, so listen, describe it. I'm not sure I would have really realized what you were describing without seeing the picture that I was looking at while you were describing it to me on the wikis, right? And blowing it up and seeing sort of the hue. And I'm amazed that I had, I mean, I didn't know what the 14 black paintings were. I... If I would have walked into the room and literally have seen black paintings, like sheets of black, my first initial reaction would have been like, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what was you have? No, you had no way to prepare for this. What was your reaction when you went in there? Well, I, I, I had I had sniffed around a little bit. So I had I had some indication that, you know, this was what I was going to get. But. Yeah, I mean it at at first blush it it again it it was a bit underwhelming. And if I if I hadn't known the story and I hadn't known what the chapel represents, I, I think I would have been exceptionally lost. <laughs> you know, for me, it's almost like the self-fulfilling prophecy. This place whatever resonance it held for me, it held because it affected Peter Gabriel somehow. Right. And, yeah. and, and it, it would not in the absence of that, I don't know that it would have had the same effect for me. Like I went in there looking for something very, very diligently. I wanted to to find see experience whatever it was and because i had done you know whatever research i had done i i was willing to to give it a little bit more you know room to breathe than i probably would have otherwise um but again you know it i know so little about art and it's just it's not something that i'm well versed in or am in any way articulate about but i it, it was interesting and like i said i would love to have sort of experienced it on a different day where there was more light in there hmm. because i think there's a lot more to see but 
I cannot in any way, shape, or form, um, you know, pretend that I have any idea of what Rothko was trying to trying to convey in these paintings, uh, and and nor can I, um, you know, reasonably say that these paintings um, represent the chapel's commitment to human rights and social justice. I, I'm I'm not. I'm not certain how that manifests itself. Um, I have to, so in the absence of, of that, I have to accept that it is because I'm told that it is. And, and that mm. sounds like a, a really, you know, terrible and ill-informed perspective, but that's just, you know, that's where I'm coming from, unfortunately. Well, it's interesting, though, because, you know, when I'm looking at them, I'm wondering and, you know, hearing what you are describing around with the light changing and everything is. And I, I know nothing about Rothko, so I don't know if this is what all of his paintings are like or if if these are specific to these. But, I, you know, I wonder if part of the idea is, you know, social the way social injustice manifests itself in society it, it, and and the way many people respond to it is at first glance, it doesn't seem like really anything at all, right? It's something that, oh, that's just there. It's just, it's just what it is. But then the more, the, the more light that you shine on it and the more you investigate it and the more you look at it, the more intricate and complicated it becomes until you realize what, what it really is. It's fascinating. I, I want to go so badly now. Well, next time you're in Texas, we'll take a little uh, road trip down to Houston. Because I would, I would welcome the opportunity to go back and, you know, experience it maybe under slightly different circumstances. So, hmm. but it's, you know, it, it uh, again, it, this is something that, yeah, and, and I love this about the palaver, you know, sort of like that little side trip I took to Vevey when I was in Switzerland. It, it you know, the something from the music that we love and, and we love to talk about, you know, gave me an excuse to have an experience that I would not have had otherwise. And, you know, it's it's certainly thought provoking, you know, as I try to make sense of it. And Paul, you did a much better job than than I have in, in the weeks since I've done this. So, you know, I'm I'm very I'm very thankful for that. That, you know, I, I had I had this experience and hmm. you know, it was very cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, dude. I'm trying to figure out how the Damaniel family made their money. They were French Catholic and their ancestors went all the way back to Napoleon Bonaparte. And uh, let me see. Baron Jean Marie Joseph Menu de Menil. But he went by simply John Damaniel. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to figure out how someone of that nature, an educated French Catholic, ends up um, in the U.S. in the Houston area and becomes a, a bit of a philanthropist. They were modernists, and the wiki has him pictured with um, Andy Warhol in 1968. So he would have supported Cubist, Surrealist, and other modernist works, including abstract pop art and minimalism. 
Ken, you you are right. They do meditative events. Yeah, I, I recognized my people, not by individuals, but just in spirit. I saw some of those yoga poses, and I was right at home. Yeah, they have uh, in June. They're doing a Unitarian Universalist uh, meditation celebrating Pride Month. July is a laughter meditation for a family-friendly laughter meditation. I've done that. And then there is in August a uh, contemplative experience focused on mindfulness and music. Fantastic. Well, I know where to go if I'm ever stuck in Texas. For real. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it definitely has, you know, a, 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 there is a, a very serene vibe about the place, which is kind of nice. I was maybe a little too keyed in to, you know, like my my scientific observation mode kicked in and I was, you know, you know, trying to take all this in and, and you know, process it as opposed to just sitting there and experiencing it, which is, you know, a, a bit unfortunate, but, you know, I try to do what I can for our listeners. So. And we appreciate it, Joe. You do the things that we all want to do, but now we don't have to because we can experience <laughs> them through you. <laughs> we should have well. a progressive palaver event there and we should get shirts that says, you know, you know, says something like, you know, I, I palavered outside of the, the, Rothko, the Rothko chapel. That's cool. You know, it's, it's funny cause they have a, um, they, they have a, a little sign in book and, and I was, I was really, really tempted to, you know, make some quirky little comment like, you know, the progressive palaver was here or something like that. And, and I just, I felt that that would not be respectful enough and so mm. i didn't do it okay you just signed joe buckler i didn't sign it at all actually uh, oh it's like i was never there wow joe should have that would have been a scavenger hunt for our our uh, listeners and our friends <laughs> i could say uh find joe buckler's name in the guest book hmm and win a free Captain America mask. <laughs> oh boy! It's like when I uh, when I I, I meet um, if I ever meet anyone who goes to the University of North Texas, I always tell them that there's a picture of me on campus, and their job is to find it. The answer to that riddle is, uh, you know, that the chemistry department hangs headshots of every PhD that they mint. Oh, well, there you go. I thought you were going to make us wait or, no. or so God forbid, travel to Texas. So, so there's, there's a picture of a very, very young Joe Beauclair hanging in the chemistry building on the University of North Texas. Well, I normally do the context or the history of progressive rock at the beginning of our episodes, but, but Allow me to throw around some dates at the end of this episode. Please do, Ken. Let, let, what was going through the mind of this philanthropist couple as they opened up the Rothko Chapel in 1971? Well, I'll, I'll just submit a few guesses on my part. In 1963, Kennedy was assassinated. 
1968, MLK was assassinated. Uh, Fred Hampton assassinated, assassinated in 1969. Uh, so there was a, a, a great cry in this country for recognition and uh, championing civil rights. Um, I see that it did open in 1971. Unfortunately, Rothko, the artist himself, died by suicide in New York in mm -hmm. 19. 70 not never got to see the completed chapel yeah and that's unfortunate i mean seriously um because i guess part of the of the commission was that these paintings had to be created specifically for this and i think i read from the wikis the impression i got from the from the wikis is that rothko had done something similar perhaps on a smaller scale prior that that the the demonils liked and wanted and so rothko i guess did the 14 plus four extras mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know where mm -hmm. the four extras wound up it's um, like a jury you never know yeah you gotta you gotta <laughs> have the extras but but i mean he you know and and he apparently had you know significant input into the architecture of of the chapel itself as well. So it, it's unfortunate that he was never able to see these paintings installed in the place that was created for them. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Joe. That was quite an education. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was fun. You know, like I said, any, any chance I get to do something, you know, a little bit different that relates to what we do here on the Palaver, I will take that opportunity. Very nice. And this one was only a couple hours away. You didn't have to fly halfway across the world. I so. did not. It was it was certainly one of my less expensive um, Palaver <laughs> expeditions. So now, I wonder what David Rhodes said to Peter on the way over. Did, did, did he summarize everything that you just said, Joe? Or was it just, yo, we got to check this out, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, just... I, I don't know. I'm, I was trying to imagine what it would be like if you're sitting there, you know, meditating or doing whatever, and freaking Peter Gabriel walks in. I'd probably have to change my shorts, but that's yeah, yeah, mm. that's a whole different <laughs> thing. And and you know what what experience did did Peter have there? I'd, I'd be curious to know. He has hats. <laughs> he has hats. He has lots of leftover costumes. Actually, he really does. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so so anyway that was my uh, that was my short little trip to the rothko chapel and i'm i'm i guess i shouldn't be surprised that we talked as long as we did about it but um you know may i'm sure i i did a a less than stellar job in in describing it but apparently there are some pictures that are available so people can kind of get the idea but uh yeah if you're ever in houston and you have you know an hour to 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 spend. I uh, I encourage going to check it out and and you know experiencing it for yourself. Yeah, you did an excellent job, Joe, describing it. And uh, I ha have the feeling that like certain things, seeing pictures on the internet really does not do any justice to the experience itself. All right, so I think that's it for this little bonus episode, gentlemen. And so, you know, we'll publish this as we can. 
and I have no idea when it's going to be published, so I can't tell you what's going to be in the next episode of Progressive Palaver, but it will have it, something to do with either Fish or Peter Gabriel. <laughs> it might it might make sense to publish this one right after we publish us. It, it may very well, and if that were the case, that would mean that we would do... I forget what came after that. Whatever. If, if it's immediately after us, then a fish album will be next. But anyway, it'll be there great. So thanks for spending some time, guys, and, and listening to uh, sort of my, my recollection of, of the trip to the Rothko Chapel. And I look forward to seeing what other palaver adventures await us in the future. Rock and roll. We hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. If you've been to the Rothko Chapel and seen the 14 black paintings, or any other comments or questions you may have, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Progpala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you do find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.